everyone. Welcome back to the Earth on Survival Guide, a podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, game masters, enthusiasts like Josh and myself. I am, of course, Dan. With me, of course, the aforementioned Josh. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? <laughs> and on today's podcast, we will be discussing all things nackical and perilous. I didn't have a word that ended in AL for that one, but we're going to talk about knacks for the first half of the podcast and the second half of the podcast, uh, things that are a danger to all of the characters out there that are playing. So first half players, second half game masters, fast forward well, at your own yeah. peril. The, well, <laughs> I mean, the stuff we're going to be talking about in the second half is probably of of some interest to players as well understanding yeah. how things like poisons and traps work certainly come in handy for people who interact with those things. Yes. We're going to talk uh, poisons and traps and curses and diseases. So too late for your questions. We didn't actually get any questions on this one. So if you have any questions after we're done, uh, feel free to email us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. But until then... Knacks. We haven't actually covered knacks at all before. We've so, touched on them briefly in some, yeah. like, sort of in passing in a couple of places, but we haven't really delved into them in any kind of depth. So that's what we're going to do now. A little bit of depth. We're not going to like cover every single knack one at a yeah, time. Yeah. No, we're gonna forever. we're gonna that's, talk that's, about no. we're gonna talk about the rules of of <laughs> learning them, what their purpose is. Using we're going to talk yeah. about using them. We're going to use some examples to provide. Um, we're going to cover some of the really like low rank early knacks that are available basically as, as sort of examples. But that's, you know, uh, there's way too many knacks between the companion and mystic paths. There are pages and pages Boat and loads. pages of knacks, but understanding yeah. kind of generally how they work and what their purpose is, you can then look at them and understand. Yeah. I just played on Sunday and I had a bunch of legend points handed my way. And uh, after I spent them on uh, raising a couple of talents, I'm like, dang it, I should have looked at some knacks because I'm, you know, fourth, almost fifth circle. and I've got a whole bunch of, of talents at rank four. I could probably pick up some knacks. I didn't do it. So I'm kicking my own ass on that one. But we can get started on just learning some knacks. So pretty much yeah. let's go over exactly what a knack is is you have a talent for something you of course you have therefore have a knack for it i love i love the verbiage used uh in earth dawn for those things but a knack essentially how do you want to sum how do you want to summarize a knack in like a sentence or less so knacks are basically special use cases or enhancements to the normal use of a magical talent and there are a few different Fair. flavors of them there are some that basically allow you to substitute uh, a different effect for a talent. There are some that allow you to perform special maneuvers. Um, anybody who's looked at creatures and knows like some of the special maneuvers that are available, like crack the shell or things like that, where you can spend extra successes to do things against a, a creature. Um, there are knacks mm -hmm. that are basically special maneuvers where you can spend successes from a talent test in order to have a particular effect. And then there are some knacks that basically just give you access to other abilities. For example, the air sailing talent has knacks that when you are skilled enough in air sailing, you also may gain the ability to learn to do regular sailing. Yeah. That sort of thing where you get access to, to usually skills 
that would be connected to that talent. And so you can then just spend a few hundred legend points and effectively have a skill at the same rank as its associated talent, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I wrote it down as a Naxra one-shot learn because you cannot improve them, but they're right. just a small little branch off of a base talent that you already have. One one way and, that, that we kind of think about it from a design perspective, and it's not completely accurate, but is to think of in the same way that sort of spells are connected to the spellcasting talent, and you have to spend legend points to learn a spell, knacks are connected to other talents, and you spend a one-time cost to learn them and get access to their utility for you. Fair. The basics of... yeah. One clarification on what you just said there, now that I mention it, mm. there are some knacks that can be learned as skills, the same way that talents can be potentially learned as skills. If you learn a knack as a skill, it has its own, it does in that case have ranks and it is advanced and purchased as if it is a normal skill. And it only yep. does the thing that it describes. You don't have like, say, melee weapons as a skill and then you take a, a melee weapons knack under it. You then have like a separate skill that is, shares the name of a the melee knack. weapons knack, but it has its own rank and is based off of that for the purposes of advancement and so forth. This does allow gotcha. some of the less mystical knack abilities to be available to non-adept characters, uh, you know, NPCs and so forth, to perhaps allow them to have the occasional useful trick or, you know, that sort of thing to spice up uh, conflicts or whatever. Well, yeah, just to flesh out your NPCs a little bit more and make yeah. them more individually unique, which I know is kind of a redundant right there. But yeah, I think that adding those in there would be cool. So let's clarify real quick. If you learn a knack as a talent, can you use karma on it? Yes, because in most cases when you are because in most cases when you are using the knack, you are still using the talent. The knack just unlocks a different use or a different effect of the talent. And so you're still making a talent test. You're still rolling the dice for the talent. You can therefore spend karma. On. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you learn the knack under a skill... Same rules apply. Cannot use karma on it, correct? Right, because it's a skill. Okay, making sure. Because Just you can't, clarify because you can't spend karma there, on it. So. Because, <laughs> because barring discipline abilities that allow you to spend karma on certain kinds of tests, you can't spend karma mm -hmm. on skills as a general rule. Yes. So, making sure that was clarified for everybody under the whole Nax umbrella we're going to talk about here. Yes. So, uh, other than that, you cannot learn talent Nax Learned as talents through versatility, the versatility Correct. talent. Okay. Last clarification. That was all I wanted to cover for everybody who's listening in case we get any questions on it. Wanted to just beat those to the punch and punching is a, is a knack. Kidding. So you have to know <laughs> the basic talent first in your discipline progression, discipline talent or discipline option talent, take your pick, and you have to know it at a certain rank to learn that knack because they are therefore unlocked at a certain rank because some of them are like rank one fine you have a talent at rank one you can get this knack at rank one which is not very many but there's a couple whole bunch yeah. are un unlocked at rank three but if you get to like rank five or rank seven that's when you get some like really cool knacks which we're not going to talk about today yeah the the relative power of a knack and what it can do is connected to the rank that it becomes available at. Yeah, I there it's not like, for example, to go not this is not the case in 
in fourth edition. Like this doesn't really hold true anymore. But in first yeah. edition, knacks were, were int- originally introduced in first edition. And like, yes. for example, in first edition, the repost talent could only repost melee combat attacks. Right. There, there were knacks that became available to repost as you got higher ranks in the repost talent that allowed you to mm-hmm. claw repost being one of them. That one, I think, did make it over to fourth edition. Unarmed. unarmed that allows assailants. you to use repost against unarmed combat. There was also mm-hmm. a missile weapon repost, which I don't think deflected the missile back at the at the opponent, but still allowed you to defend. And spell repost, which was scary, that basically allowed the <laughs> the, the swordmaster to use repost to deflect spells back at the caster. Um, that I know yes. is not in fourth edition. <laughs> is not fourth edition because that's kind of going outside the the scope of what nax really should be able to do it really shouldn't Fair. do in a lot of cases generally should not be able to do something that does not make s- real sense with regards to the talent deflecting spells with repost seems really weird because spells target mystic defense whereas repost is always a defense against a physical defense attacking yeah ability I like the example and I like the fact that it's not in fourth edition. So yeah, we can, <laughs> we can clarify that one last time before we get questions on it. Uh, where is that one? I want that one. No, we can't have that one. <clears throat> so the last thing about learning the knacks is you have to have the legend points to spend on purchasing them. Yes. And they're at a certain tier. So, well, no. So knacks always are cost based off of the novice legend point column. Yes. And the, the cost is it basically sort of costs, again, kind of like spells. If it's a mm-hmm. if it's a rank three knack, then it costs the equivalent of buying rank three of the talent, which is to say 300 legend points. If it's a rank yeah. five, then it would cost 800. Um, if it's only rank one, yes. it only costs 100. But that's a one time cost. It is just that rank. It is not the sum of everything up to that point. So want to clarify that because it was I knew it was only one tier. Yeah, it's it's always it's always off of the novice column and it's just based off of the minimum rank. Regardless of when you learn it, it's based off of the minimum rank that the knack becomes available to that talent. All right. So, we've covered all of the preamble on learning knacks. So, let's get down to the brass tacks and actually Well, one other one other thing that you didn't cover. So, so we talked about the requirement, which is to say that you have you need to know the associated talent at a certain minimum rank. Some knacks, yeah. especially the ones in Mystic Paths, frequently have right. other restrictions that you need to that you need to meet some other requirements in order to use it. Yes. Like for example, in Mystic Paths, the Fire Eater path has a whole bunch of knacks, but in order to learn any of them, you not only need to be mm-hmm. a fire eater, but you you know, that requires you to be an orc. You know, basically because yes. you need to have the odd because that's <laughs> their whole thing revolves around. So some knacks, Fair. you may see other restrictions to the, to clarify you, the character must meet all of the requirements and a- at least one of the restrictions. Like that's kind of the, the breakdown. If the restriction has yeah three different disciplines that you yeah. need to be, you only need to be following one of them. You don't need to be following so- all three. For an exact example, to your point, uh, under melee weapons on page 101 in the companion, there is the special maneuver of overpower, which has a requirement of rank seven for your melee weapons. But the restriction is you have to have a minimum strength of 14. Correct. So you so you need to have melee weapons at rank seven 
and you need to have a strength of 14 in order to do that. Yeah. So just as an example to Josh's point, some of them have a requirement and a restriction. So, okay, that's the learning. Yeah, I, I'm trying to see, flip through here real quickly. I don't know. Oh, the ones where in the companion, the ones where you're going to see the multiple requirements. Yes. Are the enchanting knacks primarily. For example, mm-hmm. Create or a Calcum, which is on page 117, has restrictions Elementalist 9, Weaponsmith 10. You need to either yeah. be a Ninth Circle or Higher Elementalist or a Tenth Circle or Higher Weaponsmith in order to do that. You do not need to be both. Yeah. It's, it's either or. It's why there's a comma. <laughs> not an but that's just a, But yeah. like, that's just a, a clarification, an example. Because not everybody has Mixed Pads. The people who are using Nax would presumably have at least the Companion. So there's there's an example. Yeah. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to do most of them out of the Companion. We're going to do one, I can't say one book at a time, but we're going to get the overall gist of things for, for Nax. So anything else about learning? I think we kind of hit all of the high points for what it takes to learn a new Nax. So generally speaking, you Nax are most commonly learned while you are advancing in your circle. Mm-hmm. You should be learning it from a trainer who already knows it. If you do... You basically just, you know, it, it takes some time, not a lot, takes a little bit of time training. It is possible to develop knacks on your own to not have a trainer. Um, there aren't really strong rules on that in the companion. But if you don't, if you're having problems for whatever reason, finding a somebody who knows the knack to train you, yeah. it is possible to develop it on your own. But generally, the amount of time required to do that would be greater. Kind of like learning a skill versus a talent. Yeah, yeah sort of. Just gotta, maybe just got to spend just got to spend more time doing it. So no hard and fast rule, just more time than you normally take to do it. Okay, on to the using of knacks, and I got a couple of little notes here, but otherwise, feel free to fill in because obviously, you're the line developer, uh, one among the team. So basically, there's one knack per use of a talent. So it, it could replace the talent use. Generally speaking, yes. Um, yeah. The the knack. So there's there's two different things there. Knacks and there's errata on this for the ones in the companion. Mm-hmm. The knack may be noted as standard effects, and what that means is that the normal use of the talent applies, and the knack provides something in addition to that. If the knack does not say standard effects, then the only the knack applies and you can only use one unless it specifically indicates otherwise in the text. You can only use one knack per talent per use of the talent. Okay. I also have down that the number of knacks per talent equals the base talent rank. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think except maybe for spellcasting knacks. I mean, I don't think in the companion, at least, I don't think there are enough knacks to make that actually be an issue. Fair. Uh, I mean, it depends. Like, I don't have like a comprehensive list in front of me of how many knacks and what ranks they are for each of the talents. No. But I don't think there are. Well, okay. Melee weapons has a bunch, and there's like one, two, one, two at rank four, three at rank six. So that's five. So you could still learn all five of those because you need to be mm-hmm. at least rank six. So like, uh, you know, it doesn't look like 
I mean, it's possible that there might be situations where you might need to choose, but yeah. That's okay. I, I just love the fact that there are multiple options for each talent. Yeah. So in, in some cases, some talents only have one or two knacks available to them for whatever reason. I made a whole list on Excel uh, just I could line up which talent knacks were for which dis- which which talent. But I didn't bother to print it out for this one because we're not going to go over all of them. Again, a big waste of my time. Just kidding. So other than that, but the lowest action step for whatever you're doing, you have to also take the greatest action time in using your net. Oh, right. Yeah, because Combining, because yeah. it's – sure. It depends on what the – you know, some knacks because of what they're doing might change a standard action to a sustained action mm-hmm. or whatever. So you would use yeah. the the information in the knack generally takes priority over the normal rules for the talent. Yeah. And if you're trying to combine two knacks at the same time, because it is possible, we can't say it's not because there's, you know, a hundred or so knacks here. If you're going to combine one effect with another effect, doesn't matter. You got to take the greatest action time. So you can't like pull two right. simple actions off versus that. But also you have to take the total strain of all the things you're doing at the same time, because that's putting some effort forth. Yeah. Not just get, Oh, I'll take the higher of the strain. No, no, no. All the strain. The, the information given in the companion, the, the blocks, the, inf- the kind of game information blocks for each of the knacks, that information mm-hmm. replaces the normal stuff for the talent. So in some cases, you might see that it's based off of a different attribute. Um, you'll see different strain costs. You might see different types of actions. The information given for the knack takes priority. And yeah. there are some situations where you might have multiple knacks that apply. You play all of the strain costs for all of the knacks and the action type ends up being whatever the highest action type is. Again, a lot of that depends on what you're mixing together. Fair enough. So do you want to cover enchanting knacks now as its own little separate thing and kind of explain how those work? Because that's a whole separate, I can't say chapter. Yeah, basically kind of separate. Yeah. Enchanting knacks, enchanting knacks are, are basically extra costs that you need to pay they're there you basically you need to pick up the knowledge of how to magically create stuff if you are not going to be using it say with the alchemy skill which you know a, a significant number of the common magic items and healing aids and poisons and stuff like that can just be made with alchemy you don't need to get mm-hmm. into knacks at all in order to do them but if for some reason you're not taking the alchemy skill and you want to be able to enchant items, there are knacks that are available that basically allow disciplines that are associated with creating certain items to be able to create those items. Weaponsmiths, elementalists, nethermancers, wizards, less so. Illusionists mm-hmm. can as well, although I think, looking through the list here, the only one that they can do is... They can craft true pattern, which allows them to make thread items. They can incorporate glyphs, which basically allows them to make th- magic uh, matrix items. Mm-hmm. But like illusionists are not big on the enchanting thing the way that some other disciplines are. But that's basically all that enchanting knacks are, is you need to spend some legend points and pick up the special ability, usually based off of thread weaving, um, in order to yeah. be able to create magic items as described in the enchanting chapter of the same book. 
Fair enough. So, and then I've got one more little um, note on using a knack, and that is, please, for all of the listeners' edification, define a special maneuver knack. Those are basically ones that allow you to spend extra successes from a test to do a particular effect. Like, for example, you mentioned the overpower knack Mm -hmm. earlier. That is a melee weapons knack. Uh, What that allows you to do is you can spend two additional successes off of a of, off of your attack test to force the target to make a knockdown test that is in addition to so like basically you don't need to have declared that you're attacking to knockdown you can decide mm-hmm. that after the fact if you roll high enough that you're going to use the knack you still hit them yeah. as normal they make a test and it not only knocks them down if they fail but it also knocks them back uh, a number of yards like basically moves them like pushes them back yeah based on the result you get some distance between you and it does require it does require a two-handed weapon in order to do that but it's basically you know a a special a special maneuver give ground is uh, another one that kind of provides you it's a variation of the old giving ground combat Combat option it's now it's now basically explicitly tied as a knack off of melee weapons that allows you to sort Mm -hmm. of do that same thing where you can give ground to, to boost your physical defense so those are that's basically what those are. Those Fair. those okay. have the standard effects and allow you to spend successes to do other stuff. And this is the the knacks are really a place where another place where the new success system of fourth edition, where you have sort of unlimited successes for every five points up over, allows yeah. us to play in some design space that allows us to do some fun things with those knacks. Well, and I like the fact that they a couple of the combat options have now been worked into specific scenarios where a knack could be used instead. So it just shows the progression of, I'm good at this talent, now I have a knack for it, I can now make this into a combat option. As you said, giving ground versus anybody can give ground. No, there's a special way to do it. You've been trained for it. There's a, there's a knack for it. Proceed. Right. So, okay. On to our actual list of knacks. So I found a few knacks that actually come in at rank one. So you can have a rank one emotion song, rank one haggle, or rank two navigation to get any uh, to get these three specific knacks. Telling the tale under emotion song, evaluate under haggle, and map making under navigation. So yes. I think we just kind of break down um, the telling the tale real quick. So like I said, it's only rank one. There's Like I said, there's only two rank one knacks yep. of the entire companion, not touching mystic paths, but just the entire companion. And this one is, uh, expands the repertoire for use with the emotion song talent. Instead of singing, they can perform any artistic activity, such as storytelling, reciting poetry, or even performing a puppet show. Uh, using this knack does not count as using a knack for any limitations. You can take it as a skill, but this is one way for, uh, troubadours to just kind of enhance what they can do. Instead of basically having an actual song, they can just tell a tale instead, right up the Troubadour's right. alley. It, it's it's to allow a little bit of flexibility, potentially, in terms of the Troubadour's magic. Emotion song is kind of focused specifically on musical performance in terms of its effect. And for those Troubadours who might have other ways, that sort of expansion of the magic, for 100 legend points, you can basically use that emotional manipulation magic uh, in any kind of public performance situation. And moving on to haggle, 
I, I love the fact that you can pick this up for the measly 100 legend points to pick up the talent knack under Haggle and get Evaluate, which I think is um, very underrated as far as a, an ability to have. This is a situation where this was an ability that was sort of available intermittently in previous editions. Like mm-hmm. the thief in first edition had like a, a like evaluate metal that you or something like that where you could yeah. do, or maybe it was weaponsmith. I forget now off the top of my head because I don't have the first. I think it was book. I know weaponsmith had haggle and evaluate. Right. I think as but, well. But it was but like just a discipline on. ability where they could spend strain mm-hmm. or whatever and be able to evaluate the the price of an item. Yeah. It is not something that really requires a full blown talent to be able to do, but. Mm-hmm. Where haggle is sort of a general mercantile negotiate your price talent, having an ability linked to that where you can actually appraise the value of an item yep. ties very nicely in that. But it's also a really kind of basic ability. And so it's something that can be picked up right off of the bat, especially exactly. like once said, you get a little bit of experience under your belt. A hundred legend points is a minor. It's like the basic you know, minor investment. <laughs> Very minor inconvenience for a very useful thing to do. Because again, after you increase your rank in Haggle, you know, to rank four or five or six, you're rolling Evaluate at that rank when you use it. So getting picking it for 100 points at any point at any given time is wonderful for Evaluate. That it saves you a whole bunch of coin later on. So on to navigation and map making, which again is highly underrated, but it's basically the skill... Listed in the player's guide, you just, like I said, have a magical knack for it yeah. under your navigation. This is an example of one of those where it would it makes a lot of sense for somebody who is able to navigate to be able to make maps as a result of that. And so yes. rather than requiring somebody to basically spend points in the skill if they hadn't already in order mm-hmm. to increase their you know, in order to take advantage of that. Um, one thing I do want to mention, because navigation Please. is a free talent for scouts, for example. Yes. I was just going to bring this up. You can still buy knacks for those where appropriate. There aren't mm-hmm. a lot of examples of those. You know, like there's no, there are no craftsman knacks, but navigation being, you know, the way that it is, uh, I would certainly say that if your scout did not take map making as a general skill, yeah. then you could, when they reach second circle, mm-hmm. at that point, their navigation automatically raises to rank two and they would qualify to be able to pick up the map making knack if you wanted to allow yeah. that. Because I don't think map making is a game breaker. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be just fine. So now... We get to spend the next few minutes talking about Josh's favorite part that he wanted to bring up a while ago. All the, as you call them, cantrips for the spellcasting. That's the term that I coined <laughs> that we kind of refer to them like when we're just in kind house. of talking about them. They are they are not called that at any point in any of the official text. It's just oh, a nice no. little shorthand. They're, they are spellcasting knacks. And yes. most of these, what they allow you to do is it gives spellcasters it gives magicians a little something extra you know that they can basically use spellcasting to do some really relatively speaking low-powered semi-innocuous effects because these are all available at spellcasting rank two which means you spend 200 legend points per each one of these you broaden 
what you can do with your spell casting. Yeah. And and this is this <laughs> is the quickly. only place potentially well, yeah. And they are they are discipline specific. So there are multiple ones at rank two. I think there are four of them, but only, but like one per discipline. There yeah, might be five like if if you include the shaman. If you I think shaman might have one that's in Mystic Paths. Yeah. But basically the idea is that it would take your normal spell casting action to do, but the real purpose of these is if you are weaving a thread that round, like you are preparing to cast a spell in the future, you can use these knacks as a simple action that same round. So, mm-hmm. you know, what you could do is use that to set up round, like set up a future spell that you're casting or do something to help out your allies a little bit, that mm-hmm. sort of thing to, to reduce somewhat the frustration that can come along with playing a spellcaster. If you've got a spell that's requiring a lot of threads, or if you're not having a great night and not successfully weaving the threads for your spell, you still have <laughs> stuff that you can do as part of that. These are, they're minor effects. They don't, increase with any kind of extra successes on the spell casting they're a fixed effect but they're mm-hmm. all kind of connected thematically with the type of stuff that secondary effects from that discipline's spells tend to have well so now that we've teased them let's actually describe a couple of these so let's begin with uh, alphabetically acid splash acid splash this is uh, an elementalist knack mm-hmm Basically, uh, for any within a target within 10 yards, they make a spell casting test against the target's mystic defense, and if successful, impose a minus two penalty to that target's physical armor until the end of the next round. This is really nice. I mean, <laughs> reducing armor, you know, it's it's basically the secondary effect that you get from earth darts. Yeah. Right? It, it doesn't last. I mean, it lasts a round, basically, but... If you like, if you can consistently, it costs one point of strain, so it's not free. Mm -hmm. But if you can reduce a target's physical armor by a couple of points as you're preparing something like, say, you know, if you're preparing, like, say, a a lightning bolt or ice mason chain, which actually I don't think requires any threads. I forget. I don't think still think it does. Blizzards, like any of the, you know, elementalist spells pretty much always target uh, physical defense. And so if you can you know, hit them with that beforehand, then it's going to be more effective when you uh, hit them with that, you know, when you hit them with a a physical damage spell after the fact. And again, 200 points to reduce someone else's armor. That's Mm -hmm. that's nothing to sneeze at, because reducing armor is really hard to do otherwise in in fourth edition. Okay, on to arcane accuracy. This is for wizards. This with this one, the wizard basically chooses an ally. And mm-hmm. makes a spellcasting six test, so it doesn't even have to beat the target's mystic defense. It's just a, a target number six of a flat difficulty. Yeah. If successful, the target gains a plus two attack, a plus two to their next attack test targeting physical defense. Not so, bad. boop, you hit the hit the warrior or the swordmaster with that, and it provides a a boost for them to potentially be more successful with their attacks. Again, two hundred legend points. This is easy. This is easy. Uh, Astral and that strain. one doesn't even and that one doesn't even cost any strain. Yeah, that one's nice and easy. Astral strain costs some strain. So but this one's for Nethermancers. Yes, astral strain is Nethermancers. This reduces the target's mystic defense in the similar way that Acid Splash reduces physical armor. Astral strain yeah. reduces the target's mystic defense, which is great. 
uh, if you are <laughs> like you use that to pre- to prep like, oh, hey, I successfully use it against you. Your mystic defense is two points lower. It is easier for me to follow that up with an astral spear or any other spell. other nethermancer spell that is targeting. And since it reduces defense, it doesn't even need to be a damaging spell. It just makes it and makes them more susceptible. It doesn't have a requirement of touch. No, they've got to be within 10 yards. So it is kind of close yeah. range, mm-hmm. but it's still it's, you know, a nice little yeah, within 10 yards. I can just lower your mystic defense before I hit you with a spell. Awesome. 200 points. Well spent right there. Astral Ward. This is again for wizards. This is a wizard one. This provides a willing target of an ally within 10 yards with a plus two bonus to their mystic defense. Basically boosts them against incoming spell attacks or spelling yeah, attacks. Yeah, for point of strain, you can give an ally a plus two mystic defense. Worth the strain, I would say. <laughs> can be. But that's just me. Befuddle, which I just love the name of. This is for illusionist. This is an illusionist knack. If successful against the target, the target suffers a minus two to their social defense until the mm-hmm. end of the next round. Uh, nice for, because illusionists, as we discussed in our episode with them, tend to play a lot more with interaction tests and social defense and things like that. Uh, really yeah. an interesting thing that you can use to set up uh, ahead of time, even if you are not using it to cast a spell, penalizing social defense, uh, use it to set up your Swordmaster's taunt or uh, battle yeah. shout. If you've got a Sky mm-hmm. Raider in the party, any kind of penalty that you can apply to that that can enhance, you know, what your what your allies might be doing or your own thing that might be targeting social defense as well. Or isn't another measure frightened based upon social defense? No, frightened is based on mystic. Okay, that's where I get that one lost. Anyway, uh, on to courage, which of course is just help courage is the is the other illusionist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, if successful, it provides a bonus to the allies' uh, initiative initiative test for a close combat attack. So it's a plus one initiative for the next close combat. So it basically, is a little I, bit of a above a um of a, a speed boost. Exactly. Take that and run. And then we're down to uh, fortify armor. This is the other elementalist one that's available early on. It allows them to buff their allies' physical armor by two. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Again, all these are worth just 200 legend points. One-time shot. Done. You get these anytime you want to do this after, after that. So, yeah, worth a point of strain on that as well. And then unsettle. Yeah, unsettle Nether is Nethermancer. This is sort of a kind of fear-based one. The mm-hmm. target, if successful, suffers minus two to willpower-based tests until the end of the next round, which basically makes it harder for them to throw off the effects of something like uh, Frighten or, yeah. you know, anything else that, that might have a willpower, you know, that allows a willpower test to resist or shake off. Right there, 11 knacks you can get first or second rank in Emotion Song, Haggle, Navigation, or a boatload of them for spellcasting to really up your mage's uh, proficiency in anything uh, left and right. So I think that's not a bad little recap or a little introduction to what knacks can do. And it reminds me, I need to go take a look at some knacks for what my scout can actually do in fourth edition because I didn't do it this last time, but next time I'm all over the The, knacks. The knacks, yeah, the knacks are organized by talent type. So all of the knacks based off of Anticipate Blow, for example, are listed under Anticipate Blow. So, yeah. you know, what you would want to do is kind of go through your character's talents and look at, 
you know, what knacks, if any, are available and if there are any that interest you in terms of picking them up. It's really fun. I look forward to any questions we get on some knacks about how some may have been written or how good they are if they replace the talent. We'll try to cover that at the beginning of the episode, but otherwise, uh, I hope this actually incentivizes people or, or inspires people to go look up little bits of flavor they can add to their character that they hadn't maybe thought about before. So since you're playing in a podcast, uh, Legends of Earth Dawn, has Virag picked up any knacks just yet? I already said I forgot to look mine up, so... Virag does know a couple of knacks. I don't think, let's see, Virag knows Astral Strain. We talked about that one. Um, yeah. Virag knows Unsettle. We talked about that one. And Virag yep. also picked up Bleed, which is another Nethermancer spellcasting knack that is available um, a little bit higher. That is the one that reduces the target's wound threshold. We actually talked about that. We had a question, <laughs> an email question about um, right. a spell that reduced the target's wound threshold and... And that is a knack that uh, she knows as well, which reduces the target's wound threshold by two. It just sounds... I've not had much opportunity to use them (laughs) very much. I'll be honest, I kind of sort of forget that they're there, um, in part because they all kind of need to be used at relatively close range, and I try to not be that close to stuff. (laughs) Fair. That's the job of the the spellcaster is to not necessarily be up close. Troll or not, your, your job is not to necessarily be up close if you can help it. All right, we got uh, 40 minutes in on Nax. That's not too bad, actually. So on to the perilous part of the podcast. All alliteration aside, we're going to talk about uh, poisons, traps, curses, and diseases. And exactly, I can't say how they came about, but how they might differ in 4th edition, because I know you made a point a while ago when the books were coming out to uh, say that they've been, poisons especially, I think were upgraded as far as the mechanics were concerned for yeah. from previous editions to now. Both poisons and diseases kind of work on the same rules framework. Yeah. Basic idea that poisons have a step, you know, which is basically sort of a relative measure of, of how powerful potent they are, they are. How, yeah. how potent they are. Diseases are, are the same way. They'll have a step. They've got a duration, which is to say how long they last. They've mm-hmm. got an onset time, basically how long before the effect of the poison or disease actually from exposure before it actually starts having an effect. And then they have the sort of the new bit in fourth edition is what I called the interval, which basically mm-hmm. is that in most cases for for the sake of verisimilitude for for realism to maybe try and model how poisons and diseases kind of work which is to say they work over time as opposed to being a single event yes that they make multiple tests over the course of a period of time and how often you make those tests during that period is is the interval so if you have Mm -hmm. a, a poison that is say on onset instant so it basically goes to take effect right away, but it's got an interval of four slash one round. It means you make it, there's a total of up to four tests that can be made for the poison to affect you. And those tests are made every round. Now, fortunately, the player character does get a chance to resist that every round by making a toughness test against the step of the poison. Mm -hmm. And then you can have poisons and diseases as well that either just do straight damage. Uh, You don't really tend to see diseases that do that much but poisons can certainly do damage um then you've got debilitating and paralysis paralytic 
paralysis yes. poisons and debilitating. Mm-hmm. And basically what those do is rather than doing damage, they impose penalties. And if those penalties reach a certain point, then they incapacitate the character, you know, the, the, the and victim or in them. some way. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, they need uh, a poisoner disease needs to specifically indicate that it is deadly in order for it to actually be fatal in that regard. Yes, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be like a, a, a paralytic poison. The idea being that it puts the target to sleep or paralyzes them without killing them is certainly a, an option as opposed to like, say, a, a, a neurotoxin that might also be paralytic, but would kill them because the paralysis strikes the heart and stops the heart beating or prevents the target from breathing or whatever, and kind of kills them from secondary effects. But the 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 ongoing penalty kind of determines how much it is affecting them. That enhancement sort of to the the nod to realism for how those things work does end up with poisons and diseases being a little bit more fiddly than they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. I can see that. You know, I, I, I think what it allows to happen is basically allow some time for healing aids like the, the Chelix's poultice or Chelia's antidote to be applied. Yeah. Or things you know, like that, disease, that. Things like that. Yeah. The one thing that you can kind of do with poisons is it's possible that you don't necessarily need to have the, the, the step or rank be both the difficulty to resist and the effect test is that in mm-hmm. theory, what you could do is you could have a poison that has a very high resistance rank that is to say the target number for your toughness test to shake off the effects of it could be very high making it a very difficult poison to resist but it Mm -hmm. might have a long duration or an interval with a large number of tests made like every couple of rounds but a relatively low effect test in terms of how much damage it might do so that what you could have is a poison that does not kill the target instantly but might if not treated will accumulate damage and potentially cause problems for the target that way. So you, there, exactly. there are basically there are some more variables that are in play there in terms of how you can tune a poison or disease to have the, the kind of mechanic to have the sort of the mechanics reflect the narrative of what it should be doing. I like the fact that it's got all of those, those four things, the effect, the onset time, the interval, the duration, all of those four things can play into as you said, the narrative helping to tell the story as to what happens to that character or characters along the way and what problems that causes for team dynamic resources and where they can get to in the plot. As in, well, now we've been waylaid because two of our party members have been, you know, stung by this thing and they're poisoned. So we need to sidetrack and go over here and or you know, build the alchemy, use the alchemy skill and build your poultice or your antidote or, you know, Go find some gar, you know, healers of Garland and, and and take that road. So you have a little side trek every once in a while because it will waylay your party if somebody is deeply affected by a poison or disease. In reading the poisons, I counted there's 15 listed. Most of them have the effects uh, of uh, the effect step of a between five or ten. So there, there's a nice range: five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten for the effect step. So the the, the amount of damage you can deal out is significant per per dose. Five of them, so a third listed, have an instant onset time. So they right. are very rapid acting. And uh, two have a permanent duration. So they're 
yeah, you got some nice yeah, variables wither, to play. Wither, with. fang, wither fang venom, I think, being one of them, where yes. if it affects you and, and causes the problem, then it lasts until the appropriate healing measures are applied. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we're not talking about death being a permanent thing, although it can be <laughs> uh, and is generally. Absolutely. So really, just to get over, uh, just, to, just to clarify real quick, once you roll your toughness and beat the effect step number, right? That's the rank it. of the poison. It's done. Or the, or the disease. It's gone. That's it. You're healed. Your body's purged it. You're taken care of. So just to clarify, poisons are nasty. They can be overcome. Yeah. Same well, with especially, you know, so, so when you consider that most normal people, and of course, player characters aren't normal people. They are adepts. But even then, yeah. unless you're talking about someone who has specifically, like most characters are going to have toughness steps of five to seven depending on their race and discipline Mm -hmm. and so are not necessarily going to have great normal odds for resisting a poison right away or a disease right away because if you're looking at like their difficulties their ranks start at, at five and kind of go up from there the odds of someone with a step six toughness being able to resist a rank 10 a step 10 poison that's only a 10% chance that they're going to do it on any individual role. <laughs> but they get, I mean, they get multiple roles to do it, but this is where yeah. bonuses from healing aids, mm-hmm. the cold purify talent is another, like, is one that, that helps you resist that. Um, there's yeah. uh, a toughness based talent. I don't know if we've talked about it with any of the disciplines thus far, or if it doesn't become available until later, that basically provides a bonus to resist poison and disease i think that there there's a talent that's an optional talent for some disciplines that that allows that is that is that iron constitution yeah that's the one yeah no that becomes available so it's an optional talent because if you aren't dealing with poisons and disease a lot in your game it it's not great to have as a discipline talent that you're never going to be using but surprise you could at any point in time surprise you could i mean (laughs) deal with poisons definitely i mean a lot of you know a lot of absolutely Dangerous creatures have poison or, or venom of some sort that, that you, I mean, ghouls being sort of the, the iconic example of that. Oh, shadow mance too. Poison. Yes. Shadow mance, ghouls. Yeah. To, as your, to your point, wither fangs. Uh, I found probably my favorite, uh, disease, not for 2020, but I think there's an eerie similarity to something going on in the world right now. This disease uh, is usually contracted in cold and damp regions, but this is only for Earth Dawn. But here's the other part. Uh, it takes a while to manifest, sometimes a few months. The incubation period marked, between, marked by congestion and coughing, labored breathing, and a mild fever. While the illness's slow progression usually allows for successful diagnoses and treatment, the disease is fatal if left untreated for too long. Victims of an extended bout can suffer from shortness of breath, weakened constitution for the rest of their lives. Is that COVID? Or is that no. lung rot from Earth Dawn? <laughs> that, well, that's lung, that's lung rot from Earth Dawn, which bears a <laughs> resemblance to any number of nasty respiratory diseases uh, yes. that, um, that exist in the wild. So I was just reading over this for the preparation for the podcast and said, wow, they were prescient when they wrote this one because uh, now we have COVID. Very, very similar. So had to point that out uh, in case you have player uh, characters who just need to take a little break a little while. Throw some lung ride at them. Why not? Fun stuff. So we haven't talked about traps or curses in those other two major 
um, obstacles. If you watch, uh, oh, brother, where art thou? The wonderful pronunciation there. So traps are very commonplace throughout all of Earth Dawn. Uh, I've been running those in the pregens, pregen adventures for decades now. I think almost every single one of them has had a trap of some kind, magical or mundane. Have they been improved? Yep. Or anything, any new wrinkles for fourth edition, mechanic-wise? No, not really. Uh, the you know basically traps have a detection difficulty. That is the ability to notice that there is in fact a trap there. That's the, yes. the target number to to see it on a perception or or awareness. <laughs> hey, I test. noticed it. They have an initiative, which basically, if you trigger the trap, you roll the initiative and the potential victim of the trap needs to beat that initiative in order to have a chance of avoiding it somehow because the game has They've to roll got, the initiative step for the trap so it's a, for the it's trap a roll yep. off well i mean it's it's sort of like kind of like going into combat at that point is that everybody involved like everybody that is potentially involved in that interaction that conflict rolls initiative and the highest initiative yeah. acts first mm-hmm. uh, so if the trap rolls first then the trap goes off and you can't do anything about it <laughs> if you roll higher than the trap then you have a chance to react Get out of the way that reaction may or may not save you from the trap, but -hmm. it does at least give you a a chance to act. And Danger Sense gives you a second opportunity to react if that initial initiative test or gives you a a bonus to your initiative for the purposes of of avoiding traps. Traps also have a disarm difficulty, which is the target number for using disarm trap, the talent, to make it not effective. (laughs) They have a trigger condition you know this is some basically narratively like what is it that sets the trap off is it a pressure plate is it a magical ward of some sort you know yeah. whatever it might be wire. and then it has and then it has an effect you know does it do damage does it whatever and and see the sort of trigger and effects can vary depending on what the trap is your standard cave-in trap is just going to do damage you know stuff like that a spiked pit trap and all kinds of things. And uh, there's technically, I mean, there's a few examples are given in the, in the Game Master's Guide, as there should be. And I'm not sure anything was ever cut for space because don't think that whatever's in this guide is all there is for traps. There's no. a myriad. If you Whatever you can think of, knock yourself out. Uh, I have one suggestion, which is Knights of the Dinner Table Magazine, which I read, has been putting out a trap of the month in their bait and tackle section for literally the last decade or more. So there's at least 120 other kinds of mundane traps in there. So if you're looking for ideas, go mining. They've got oodles and oodles and oodles. So I love the fact that uh, traps were one of those things that were, I can't say perfect, but haven't evolved or changed or needed to change. Yeah, I mean, what what else? The stuff with traps is basically, yeah, like the basic mechanics in terms of detection, disarm, and initiative that that's the stuff that you kind of need to know. And then at that point, it's the like, how does it work? And what's the effect? That's the place where you can kind of get a little creative and and whatnot. Like, for example, the the blade trap, right? The first example trap that's in the GM's guide, yeah. page 181 has it not only does like not only does this large blade come out of the wall and actually deal damage, <laughs> but it also has a chance of poisoning the target. Or like mm-hmm. your classic sort of poison dart trap in, you know, in the exactly. chest or whatever, if you, so you can, you can combine, yeah, you can combine poisons and, and poisons and diseases and stuff as the potential effect of, of a trap. 
to a, a great extent that you want to. So you can lay as many traps as you want during a care crawl or whatever else you've got. So always just things for the game master to keep in mind and players too to be aware of in case they happen to think, you know, my character's not feeling well. Why is that? Almost an hour in. We got one last thing to talk about before we cut this one off. Um, Real briefly. Curses. Yeah. Curses. Curses. I haven't dealt much with curses in the game, so. Yeah, curses are, there's not a whole lot of, of curses in fantasy fiction are pretty iconic in a way, mm-hmm. but more or less it's curses generally will impose a penalty of some sort to tests. Yeah. You know, and, and the degree of kinds. Yeah. I mean, like you've got your, you've got sort of minor curses, which just impose a little bit of a penalty. You have major curses where things, you know, might get even a little bit more serious. And then, of course, you've got horror curses, (laughs) which (laughs) what, you know, like largely it's just a case of this is the sort of strange negative effects that that you might have go on and and are potentially just when you're starting to talk about curses in this regard, you're really looking at them potentially as a story device. Uh, as a as a plot hook or something mm-hmm. along those lines that you're dealing with and it's yeah what's the effect of it how potent is it at that point basically you sort of just like choose a step number that's sort of the equivalent of the spell casting step for the curse yeah. in terms of it having its effect and you just kind of go from there so let's talk about all three of them real quick since we're just going to cross over an hour or so so a minor curse you know is like a minus one to three mi- minus one to minus three penalty lasts a little while it's kind of a handicap for like what a week month something like that what well, it depends on yeah give me a ballpark step number you'd apply for that and, and typically these yeah like this is like you you kind of take the stereotypical like D style cursed swords yeah if there is a cursed item, if you retrieved an item from a care that is supposedly cursed, it might be that when you use the item, you suffer a penalty of some sort, Fair. you know, or something along those lines. Like that's like that's the kind of thing that we're we're talking about here. This is more of like the oh, that that knife is cursed. And when you use it, there's a chance, you know, there's a penalty that you suffer and you might have a secondary effect of, oh, and if you roll less than a certain amount or whatever, you might accidentally cut yourself instead of what you intended to, like that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Fair. So major curses are more of a long-lasting impairment. So months on end, maybe up to a year, year and a day, whatever. Yeah. Give me a ballpark target number you'd use to apply this to somebody, to a, pl- to a player character in a game you were running. Well, I mean, it would depend on the circumstances. Or, this is something okay. where... It's essentially a major curse. I would mm-hmm. start to bring those into like, these are second, like these are the effects of other stuff, like a, you know, where you're not bringing a horror, like a, a, a passion might curse somebody. Fair. And at that point, you're starting to look at story effects and maybe trying to determine what the, the mechanical consequences of that are. Fair. And at that point, again, you're starting major- to get into, into story area yeah this this should be some, a major you know, should be something like a plot hook yeah and a reason to yeah, go should, do should something be. else to remove that curse. and again like they can they they can be associated with items still they can be mm-hmm. associated with with places like a, a a grove that is cursed um and that could mm-hmm. be something that potentially like the side effect of some kind of significant magic 
especially like perhaps blood magic or, or a negative magical thing that was done in a location. And it might have a penalty that it imposes on people performing certain tasks in the area. Um, and generally at that point, like you're looking at something a bit more severe than the minor, like one or two step penalty that you have from a minor curse. This might be something where you're taking three or four or five steps off of something, but generally it should be thematic and the numbers involved should be, uh, associated appropriately. Fair. I was just going to ask about blood magic and major curses because I think they kind of go hand in hand, at least thematically and or mechanically, because I think that would be uh, a wonderful way to work in a story foil and cause the player who's running the character to do a whole bunch of things differently and have to, I can't say work that off, but atone for whatever that was, overcome that curse and get their ability back or their spell back or whatever the case may be. So on to the last little part, horror curses. These are as unique as the individual horrors because this is this right. is a long game. This is not just This is this is a situation eh, I want to hurt you for a while. Yeah, this is generally the kind of situation where a horror usually marks a target um or does mm-hmm. some kind of significant magical working on a chosen victim uh in yeah. order to mess with them. Chantrell of Chantrell's horror, for example, is basically under is kind of affected by a horror curse in a sense mm-hmm. that the horror has chosen them to be a particular victim and does stuff to mess around with that. There is a kind of a, of a big gray nebulous area between actual like horror curses and just a horror mm-hmm. being a jerk to a particular individual. <laughs> um, generally speaking, I would like think of a, of potato, a curse as something that the horror I would think a curse would be more a situation where the horror kind of sets a magical effect or whatever on a victim and then just kind of lets it go as opposed to like being a dedicated tormentor, like the despair thought, for example, what it does to an individual that it has marked is not a curse because it is deliberately like making that continual connection and Mm -hmm. imposition. Again, this is especially when you start getting into horrors, this is what kind of weird, wacky, magical (laughs) nastiness is, you know, are you going to bring in as a story effect? Spoiler alert, I guess, minimally, perhaps, but spoiler alert for the Blades of Carafad from Mm -hmm. previous editions. Yeah, there is a horror curse that is associated with those items and the collection Blades revolves around resolving slash removing that curse so again not something to be taken lightly i mean none, i mean poisons, yes. traps curses and diseases shouldn't be taken lightly you can kind of throw out traps and maybe they can uh, uh, mechanically break them down use their talents to get past them poisons and diseases you should kind of lace in a little bit with more forethought but curses i think are one of those definitely need to, to have a little bit more preparation behind their usage if you're just going to think about casually tossing one into a game Maybe not be so casual with it, but that's my two cents. So anyway, any final thoughts on any of these four bits of nastiness that the game masters can use or what the players otherwise should look out for? No, I think we kind of covered all of that nicely. Fair enough. So we're just a bit, just a touch over an hour. Not too bad. If you guys have any questions, guys, guys and gals don't mean to be gender wrong. Exclusive. Have any questions for us on any of these, please feel free to or email anything us else. ED- yeah. Anything else, really? EDSG you can email us at gmail.com. <laughs> at gmail.com. 
Yes, indeed. <laughs> so we are... If you missed it, I one quick bit of news here as yeah, we yeah, wrap yeah. up. If you missed yeah. it, Empty Thrones, the official release, is available at facetgames.com through our web shop. The PDF is yeah. um, up and available. Uh, pre-orders are open for physical books. Um, you can you know pre-order the bundle. The files have been delivered to the printer. And uh, pre-order the bundle, get the PDF right away, and we'll ship you the physical book as soon as we get it in the warehouse. Kickstarter backers should have received the code to redeem to get the PDF for free from our web shop uh, because my that last night. is included if you got the book. <laughs> and as I had mentioned, now that the book is out, uh, we are looking at um, having an episode perhaps coming up here in the not too distant future where yes. we will be discussing that book in depth. More from a, less from a like plot spoiler kind of situation and more from a like behind the scenes development thing but uh keep an ear out for that that'll be showing up in your feed so i will be i will be acting the part of anybody who has any questions for josh or kyle on that and if you have any send them to us i'll ask the development yeah, team aka please. josh and kyle anything you want to know and otherwise yeah, i'll yeah, yeah. come up we'll, with a list of my own questions and we'll see if we cross over anything <laughs> Sure. So get it. So into that's us coming quick. up. So once this um, episode also, goes out, yep that that was released. Uh, the the Legends of Barsave uh, Haven Volume One, the collection of the first eight chapters of the Legends of Barsave Living mm -hmm. Campaign, is also available. Um, Champions Challenge yep. Volume One, the the collected web comic, is available. Um, so we just had a whole bunch of stuff that that went up live in electronic form and has physical pre orders ready and waiting for you. So check those out at the at the website if you have not already been notified and made aware of their existence. Yeah. So look at, look at, look at the FOSTA team here, rounding the third base, heading for home in the fourth quarter of 2020, bringing all kinds of product. So congrats on you and the team. Hey, Hey, it is everybody the, getting stuff just done. in time to, to pre-order um, for delivery for hopefully uh, at least for us backers uh, for, for holiday, uh, for holiday shopping, gift giving, get the gamer, you know, some get the gamer you love something they want. <laughs> Or or treat yourself. Absolutely, I always do. I've, I've backed every everything coming down the pike so far. So until next time, folks, it is time for you to go add a couple of knacks to your legend. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>